Welcome. We're live on Berry Flow Upstream number 47 here on Mother's Day evening with our motley yet auspicious crew. Tonight on air we have Blaze, Crackberry.com champion and editor-in-chief. How's it going, Blaze? Can't complain. No one listens, right? <laughs> In, on Upstream, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> As well on our bench... We host Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc., infamous Blackbird 10 developer Brandon Orr, and rounding out the we have our military man, D. Stokes, and Sam James. Uh, <laughs> it's great to have you all on. I know it's Mother's Day. You guys done any celebrating with your mums? Just brunch. Yeah, I took my yeah, wife brunch. to see uh, Avengers, too. It was pretty cool. I've heard a couple people like moms wanting to go see Avengers. Like, rock on, moms. That's that's, that's, <laughs> that's that awesome. really cool of you for seeing the movie. I, moms seem like the kind of type who like don't want to go when the movie first comes out because it's like, going to be packed. Right. Like, not going to be able to keep up with the plot. So they're like, yeah, I'll go a week later when things have calmed down. It's a little bit more, you know, yeah, more we, my speed. We, we totally went at like 11.15 this morning, so it was cool. Ah, you got that matinee. Yeah, yeah. It was still a lot of people there, though, so... Would you guys? Did you guys like that movie, the Avengers? I kind of like. I was kind of in between. Blaze, yeah. you haven't seen it yet, have you? So we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah, no, no spoilers. No. I haven't either. But I haven't seen it. But you know, I've I've come to the conclusion that Avenger movies and basically all Mar all Marvel movies aren't going to please everybody. So you know, I just take them for what they are. Yeah. I don't try and like tear it all to pieces because of whatever they didn't follow this history or whatever the case may be they are what they are you you know you either enjoy them or you don't there's right. no sense getting bitter about it it's a comic man Just relax you know i didn't get about this avengers movie is like how much of a like non-threat this ultron guy was <laughs> like it was ridiculous it's funny because, like, the scope of, and this is so off topic, but we'll get there. <laughs> it's funny because, like, the scope of the first Avengers, like, literally, like, aliens are invading the world, like, right? And now we have just, like, this mecha thing we created that is now, like, all over the internet and, like, reading our emails and, and causing mayhem, building robots and stuff. It was definitely, like, a smaller scope for the so overall. So it's basically, plan. like, the Android operating system. But <laughs> basically. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I, I wanted to segue our conversation of Avengers to talk about reputation. This is something that BlackBerry's CEO, John Chen, actually brought up at a meeting over in, uh, I think, was it Ottawa? Was that where the uh, the meeting took place, or was it over actually in Waterloo? So Waterloo. It was actually in Waterloo. Yeah, it was in Waterloo. Yeah, awesome. it's the Chamber of Commerce place there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About 400 different uh, heads to which he was speaking to. And he's really talking about kind of the brand strategy where he's taking things moving forward. What do you guys think of BlackBerry's reputation? Is reputation at this point when you have such a such a legacy and and it's such ingrained kind of ideology ideology me, out there in the public consensus? Is is reputation something you can change? Is that something you can really push forward and, and change for the mass populace, or do you need to kind of re envision yourself and the message of what you do? I mean. I feel like the reputation of BlackBerry is so so much changing these days with their different focuses. I think it's like it's one of those things. It kind of depends on like what kind of business you are. For tech companies, it's a little bit harder because like 
uh, you, all right, let's take like IBM for example. You know they've been in the game for so long, so like their reputation in, in terms of uh, their longevity is like there and how they're pioneers, right? Um, in terms of them like now, it's like their reputation isn't relevant for the younger crowd, so to speak. They they don't care what place IBM has in the tech world. For BlackBerry, it's kind of been like it's almost like their reputation is almost tainted, you know, and they're doing so many great things and they bring in, brung forth so much innovation over the last couple of years with the OS um, and then recently like with the Passport. It won't really get recognized because their reputation has already been kind of damaged enough because of what, uh, you know, Wall Street has kind of beat them up. And just the trans, I don't want to say transgressions, but just the uh, transition that they've been making over the last, you know, year or so. So it's kind of hard. I mean, I feel like it's everything, though, because it's like, think about it. If Apple falls on their face again for like a second time, then that really hurts their reputation. Will they come? Could they come back from it? I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they could. But it's like, oh, man, like, how could you guys fall from the place that you were at? It's like you you're lapping other uh, other companies almost. So reputation, I feel like is everything. But it just depends on the standpoint that you're at or you're coming from, I, I would just say. In the tech world, I feel like your reputation is a whole lot because of all the technological advances that are happening rapidly in the world globally. So it, 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 it's one of those, yeah, it's, it's teeter-tot kind of situation. Yeah, you know, like I think they're they're in a more difficult kind of reputation scenario here than most any other companies are because a lot of people have had BlackBerry. So, and... Since BlackBerry has been so trashed and it's pretty much made like a mockery of so many times over the, over the course of the past like you know four or five years, people have turned it into kind of a laughing stock. And the problem is, people who have owned the devices in the past in their minds they still associate BlackBerry with this old curve with the buttons, and they have their iPhones and their their Androids and everything. And in their mind, so it's like a branding problem along with you know just perception from other people bleeding on. To everyone, you know, it's. I think that they're in a very, very, very. They're probably one of the most difficult positions. Can you compare another company that that is in as difficult as a position as BlackBerry is at, or was no. within the last like year or two? No. I think BlackBerry may be that company. Maker, <laughs> name a smartphone maker that's been building phones for more than ten years and has survived. Like I can't think of many. Yeah, like Nokia was in the same position and then they got bought out. Yeah, Motorola as well. There's been a whole bunch of cases that have been in the same position, but they've all been. But they were never made as fun, like a fun, as fun of as BlackBerry, though. Like I think BlackBerry is the one company in the U.S. or whatever that that has been at the top and then like beyond below. Like they've they've hit that that line and they went below it. People are well, making BlackBerry fun. BlackBerry has now. been the punching bag for everybody yeah. within any sort of technological aspect. So right. they basically point to BlackBerry as the failure for pretty much anything that they can lay on BlackBerry, they do. They can't get this right. They can't get that right. You know, whatever, you know, they're stuck in the old days. Whatever whatever you could ever possibly think of as something being negative as being said about an organization, they probably said it about BlackBerry yeah. at one point or another. The brand <laughs> reputation is you know, it's absolutely terrible, especially among people, because, like Alex said, you know, that's that reputation just bleeds into other people. If you constantly have somebody saying, "Well, this company is dead," which BlackBerry has 
had for pretty much the past four years. Like, you know, even 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 the 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 launch of BlackBerry Ten was treated as like a coming back. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, it wasn't just like a whole new device launch or anything like that. It was like, yeah, BlackBerry is back from the dead. But they were never dead to begin with, you know? Like Right. I think that's the reputation that BlackBerry has to shake. They have to shake that they're like an old device that constantly freezes and crashes or whatever, has downtime, they're not up to date, whatever the case may be. Like we, we all know, everybody here knows the negatives that are transitioned upon BlackBerry. And they really need to shake that. And I don't know I don't know how they could ever possibly shake it. Like you know it, it's been beat down so much, like it almost feels like they should just close up shop just for the sake of it and launch as a new brand. <laughs> well, I think it goes hand in hand with, you know, how they define their products and what how they define themselves. So you've got a reputation, but also I think nowadays more and more people are looking for, you know, what type of lifestyle does this product you know, cater to and stuff like that. If you look at Apple products, or I was talking to James a while ago, and we're talking about, you know, like in the mobile space, BlackBerry doesn't really really define its own lifestyle it's trying to cater to, or it doesn't really define uh, the lifestyle it's trying to, to attract. So we don't really know that. And I think for its reputation, it's really got to tie on to a specific type of crowd and really pinpoint it and do it well and be a product for that crowd. So you look at Apple products, and, and they sell you a lifestyle. They have products, but really what they're selling you is a lifestyle. And I think the reputation and that that perspective that people have on your company goes hand in hand because your your reputation is tied into how people perceive themselves using your products. And if people can't really visualize how they're going to use your products, they're not going to really like add that reputation and, and link that reputation to that product. Yeah, they, they need to figure out their brand identity and who they're marketing to at all points of time. But even even at that same time, like people make fun of them because of the brand identity that they have. So right, right. You know, it's a pretty lose-lose situation when it comes to the branding of BlackBerry at this point. Right. It's like it's it's funny because like people will see my passport and they'll be like, "Oh, I ain't, I didn't even know you know BlackBerry still made phones." And I'm like. Yeah. What happened? What do you think? <laughs> like, happened? you were just literally using this two years ago. Do you think it just completely stopped? And you know, people ask, "Was it fast?" Yeah, it's fast. What do you mean? Like, it's crazy. But I mean, to caveat what Brandon said, because he hit it on the nail. It's like I just think the mistakes that BlackBerry made happened at the completely wrong time. Like, you, you're talking about where in the mobile space with mobile with smartphones, the technology was growing rapidly fast. Like. Year after year, chips got smaller, got faster, memory enlarged, it got smaller, phones, I, it, it just blew up. The mobile space completely blew up, and they were going downhill instead of staying on track with everyone else. Whether you're just like a few steps behind, it's like they weren't even on the same track. You know, they were in a complete transitional period, and you're, you're trying to... Uh, introduce a completely new OS. It, it was at the wrong time. It was like, okay, had you come introduce that OS uh, back when the first Torch, you know, launched, then yes, you would have been completely fine, but it didn't happen. So to the tech blogs and to Wall Street, they're very much alive because they're finding that niche in the enterprise space again. They're getting back to their roots. But to consumers, they're very much dead. That all plays on top of that, you know, reputation. They can't 
they can't play that lifestyle role because I think the lifestyle role is kind of like this stereotypical. Uh, that's business. You know, you, you think Blackberry, you think business, and that's what they're playing into, and that's fine and dandy. But when you want to put, you know, a little bit of focus towards the consumers, it's hard trying to get those dollars back. Because they don't look at it for them, they look at it uh, as just it, it's for you know the, the the guy or the girl in the suit, if you will, um, and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I, I argue with people all the time, just you know, friends of mine, and they be like, "Why do you use a BlackBerry?" I'll say, "Because I buy things that are productive for me. I buy a BlackBerry. It doesn't mean I would buy a BlackBerry laptop if a BlackBerry laptop wasn't productive enough for me. I don't use a Windows laptop anymore. I use a Mac laptop because it's productive for me. But how many?" Americans, how many people globally really buy the buy electronics and things like that for those reasons? They buy it because they either seen somebody else with it and they liked it, they're influenced for whatever reason, but they don't buy it for themselves because it works for them. Right. It's, so, it's a cultural priority change, right? right I mean, right. Once, once Angry Birds hit, I mean, there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. goes the market. I mean, psh, priorities and, and even like you said, you know, productivity been stomped, stomped right. out totally. And you, yeah, you can be productive on, you know, I hate The Verge. They always, like, caveat their BlackBerry articles as if right. BlackBerry is the only device you can be productive on. And that's not really the point of a BlackBerry. The point is you can be more productive, more yeah, secure, exactly. with exactly. better privacy on a BlackBerry. It, it just makes me, it makes me wonder, because we're talking about reputation, and then BlackBerry puts something like the leap into the market, Right. And, and we all know it's something for fleet upgrades, right? It's something for fleet renewals of enterprise contracts that, you know, I have an enterprise. I'm offering secure devices to my employees, and maybe they're at a point where they don't want to carry around the classic, you know, a keyboarded device because of some social stigma. Yet I can still offer that employee now, uh, you know, an all-touch form factor with the same kind of security features and flow of BlackBerry 10. With that being said, as the leaf pro proliferates, we seem seem to have some carrier support for it around the world, right? I mean, Canada seems to be really much behind it. They've done a great job there with their carrier relations and building out some of the partnerships there to offer it. I think it's like zero dollars on contract and yeah, pretty much every Canadian carrier. That's that's awesome, and it's three seventy five Canadian, right? Is that is, is that correct on the pricing there? Yep. And, and here's something that I think has, has been concerned for me for a, quite a while, and it doesn't necessarily stem from the leap, but it stems in maybe to future products. Like if, if BlackBerry were to build an Android phone or kind of disassociate themselves from solely building BB10 hardware and actually kind of expanded their own uh, software offering in terms of mobile devices, is there a way that you could get a better cost proposition with better hardware specifications? Because I see things like the Moto G, and that thing runs like quad core, you know, and it's still cheaper than what the Leap comes out to at the end of the day. Does that hurt BlackBerry's reputation, or does it foster its growth to the segment that it's aimed at, be it business and enterprise users? So we'll go from there on the Leap, guys. What are some of your thoughts? Do you think that BlackBerry is actually building the brand and that identity toward enterprise in a strong way, or do you think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot? being iterative with the same kind of base level, you know, different, uh, you know, software platforms in terms of like Classic and Leap, the Z10, Q10, that all kind of ran at this base kind of reference platform. What some of your thoughts on the specs? Yeah, you know, the, the way that I see it is 
it's not that big of a deal. Specs really aren't that big of a deal if the phone is running great. Well, the problem here is BlackBerry 10 now is very, very, very reliant on Android apps if you want, you know, a larger selection of apps. Well, Android apps don't run that great on devices that don't have great specs. You start running out of RAM very quickly. Um, for instance, my Z10 does not run Android apps as well as my Passport did. Like, when I got my Passport initially, it was so speedy compared to my Z10. But even the Passport, you know, you need higher specs than even that to really be emulating a full environment and run apps within that. So do I think that, you know, specs need to be improved? Yes, because of the direction that they're taking, relying on Android. Otherwise, I would say specs really aren't that big of a deal. The Passport has great specs and don't necessarily need any more, but they are emulating. They need higher specs, just the path right. they took. It's like you can only optimize the software so much before, you know, it really is like, okay, you, you got to do something with the specs now. And, uh, you know, I, I just really think that the device itself, it has everything, everything has its purpose, I feel like, right now with BlackBerry. And I think we always see the results later and be like, ah, that's why you did it. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I still don't see why you did it. Um, you know, I just feel like it, it really shouldn't just be purely focused on enterprise. I mean, it's cool that, you know, people of the enterprise world were kind of, uh, you know, asking for a device as such. But at the at its price point and the specs that it gives and the abilities of the operating system that it has in terms of running the Android applications, I really feel like it has to be pushed as that entry-level device to the OS. Like, I, I felt like it should have been like a... Uh, some kind of crusade of some sort amongst the carriers globally, like saying, hey, push this out to your customers. Like, let's bring back on those consumers. Give them the price point, give them the specs in terms of, and I don't want to say specs, I would say more of the form factor. Push that to them and really kind of get it out there. Like, I think that's just part that it has to have. It doesn't really help the reputation at all. It stays stagnant, if you ask me. It's tough, though. I mean, when you come down to the performance on devices like that, it's good for, you know, the business user. But, like, you know, the person who wants to, you know, play a really robust Android game, it's just not there. I mean, even on Passport, it's just not. Like, as Alex said, you know, the specs really need even more than that in terms of the Adreno and what's pushing the graphics behind it to do what they're doing. And in reputation stake on the BlackBerry Leap specifically, I think it's so tailored to a specific user and that user is so uncategorized in terms of the overall branding and materials. I mean, I've literally seen, aside from Crackberry, like, there are no good video reviews of the BlackBerry Leap. Zero. Aside from the little commercial I did, which was awesome, by the way, there's nothing out there in terms of media pushing this thing. So really, is it is it like this device is supposed to play in subterfuge? And that's are consumers not supposed to know about this device at all, you know? Yeah, and that's been a trend with a lot of the, their recent products that they've come out with uh, in the past year, with the exception of uh, the Classic and the Passport, but other other products as well, like BBM Meetings and things like that. If you look on the internet, search on YouTube, you really don't see much in the way of people doing reviews on them and, and that type of word of mouth type of stuff going on. So, I mean, it, they also have to get in front of the right people as well, I think, uh, and maybe those people just aren't us. Uh, but that's another discussion altogether. I think the Leap in general as a device, in terms of its proliferation, I, 
as I've mentioned before, I'm just not sure who they're quite trying to attract with this. Um, like I said before, they have to define who they're trying to attract, and really, it's kind of a hodgepodge here with the leap. They have it as a zero dollar on on a contract, and it's like, but it's not really cheap enough for people to want to buy off contract and get it. But it's really not a type of device that people are going to really want to sign on to a a contract to get for free either. So I'm not sure exactly who that specific market is that's really going to want this device. It, it's funny that you mentioned that there aren't many like reviews and like kind of product demos and things of, of software um, in the OS and you kind of like think back and every time there was a big leak then that was videotaped more than enough and everyone watched it a lot and then like take a look over at this win beta every time there's a new build on Windows 10 they release a video and that video gets between 50 and 200,000 views just to see minor changes like hey maybe they made the search bar a little bit wider and they had a transparency here so it's like okay maybe BlackBerry like if you did a public beta or something and it wasn't all signed off on NDAs it was more of kind of an open source thing then people would be creating the content for you and sharing it and people will be seeing it if you're not gonna do it then let us do it for you I don't know Preach, Alex. Preach. I think I'm pretty I'm sure that that's now. exactly Alex, what. Alex, Alex, you take over. I'm done. <laughs> like it's funny. In all honesty, in all honesty, if you look back, like a year, a year and a half back on Crackberry, the community was, you know, really getting into it with all the leaks, and and people were just, you know, pining for some new leaks to come out. And in the second, like a tiny leak came out, you'd have like a thread full of thousands of comments the next day of people just talking about the most minute changes. Yep. But yep. but it was really a really fascinating time to be a BlackBerry fan around then because, you know, here's an OS that, you know, a lot of people out there don't really know about and yet it had this thriving community of people who were just craving uh, for the next thing, no matter how small or, or big it was. And I think now you see leaks come out, but we don't really see that same type of excitement that we used to see maybe a year or two back. Yeah, I mean, and they want to keep it closed because, you know, realistically, you don't necessarily want to give away all of your, your big changes so everyone sees, like your competition can see and steal the ideas. But, you know, honestly, everything is moving towards open source. And if people just start sharing it, then someone, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend might happen to see a video as opposed to not seeing anything whatsoever and saying, oh, BlackBerry is different than what I thought they were. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. You know, it's it's just word of mouth going through just just content creation. It could really reach a lot more people. And that could be the, the marketing for them. Just being more open source. It's helped Windows a lot. Windows was so closed off and this Windows 10 has been huge just for people sharing it and the hype that's been going on. It's been phenomenal and advertising didn't cost anything for that really. Word of mouth is still only going to take you so far, right? There needs to be access points for information and done in a way that's really engaging. And, and we'll talk more about that as we kind of transition here because it's part of BlackBerry's culture really right now because they're so focused on that enterprise space and nailing it down that the, what we're complaining about, what we're talking yeah. about is really not even on the scope for them. They've got a priority right now, a mission statement to secure enterprise, secure IoT, and really look forward 
yes, there are mistakes made, you, you know, management seasons ago, like so many times, so many years ago, that they can address those once they have a secure footing, right? Once they've reclaimed enterprise and have a strong foothold, then they can turn their prospects back to what has been lost. But again, things are mending. The, you know, Brandon mentioned, you know, back then, it was such an interesting time to be a BlackBerry 10 user, but it still is, Brandon. We don't want you to get disheartened. <laughs> things are expanding. Our, our CEO with John Chen has really taken the helm here and worked on building and reconnecting on some of those relationships. And those relationships extend to the customer, they extend to the enterprise, and they extend to the carrier partner, the, the person who's ultimately going to be selling that device to the end user. So we see BlackBerry working with AT&T on some mobility forums. These forums are geared toward you know, mobilizing enterprises with BlackBerry devices and even just general education on the overall privacy and security. It's really cool that they're doing this and that they're working with their partners in an integrated way to show off those solutions. So again, will a consumer see and get demos and told about how amazing BlackBerry 10 is? No. But the person right now that needs to see it will. And that's going to continue to grow and foster as it moves forward. What are some of your thoughts? I mean, there's a lot of carrier stuff, and we'll talk about T-Mobile. We'll talk about Magenta a little bit later. But in terms of like AT&T, <laughs> I think it's pretty interesting to see that it is really a kind of evolving relationship where they want to reclaim this business sector. It's Bell's directed, you know, but I think it, it, it's great to really kind of hit the road um, and really kind of get, like, hands-on with the people, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, really introduce them to the software, introduce them to the features and the abilities, the capabilities that it has across the board, you know, supporting other platforms, which I think is important because as, as much information that they've put out and pushed as far as what Bell's 12 is concerned, um, I think there's still a lot more out there for people to absorb in terms of the knowledge about the software itself. Um, and I think you're also going to get kind of a, a couple of the gems in terms of the security that it provides, the level security, um, and, and just a, a, a plentiful you know, amount of uh, options that you can do across the board with it. I just think um, what AT&T is kind of doing, I think they're one of the, they're the first carrier that's really showing the support of BlackBerry instead of just saying like, hey, we'd like to see them succeed, as a lot of the other carriers have said, they're really doing something about it. So what I want to see next is kind of more um, push towards the consumers, you know, kind of putting dollars behind that, seeing more displayed BlackBerry 10s in other AT&T stores, not saying like, uh, it, we have the passport, but we can order it for you. It's not here. Something like that. But, I mean, I think this is the first step, you know. We're not going to be great, ungrateful and, you know, <laughs> go out on the limb and just bash. But I, I think it's good for them to really – start tying together and uh, making something happen like they are with this. Yeah, oh, man, it's, one of those things. it's one of those things like, yeah, okay, AT&T is doing these mobility forms and they're taking BlackBerry stuff and they're showing all these enterprise things and stuff like that. And we also saw, as James said, we'll get to it later, but we saw T-Mobile basically bring back the BlackBerry Classic. But... Part of that actual announcement that I think a lot of people overlooked was the actual concentration on work. It was T-Mobile at work. That was pretty much the, the, the bigger part of it. They introduced it basically to business customers at that point in time. 
So that was actually part of the announcement. Everybody looked at it and saw, okay, T-Mobile's back together. They're bringing out the BlackBerry Classic. But I don't know if anybody else got it, but I also got an email that day basically advertising T-Mobile business stuff and saying that BlackBerry was part of all of that. So, you know, it's it, – like Darius said, you wish that a lot of that would transition over to – the consumer market, but I don't think a lot of that is going to transition over the consumer market. You're not going to see that those consumer pushes. You're going to see the business pushes, and that's all we're going to see from now on. It's like business, 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 for better or worse. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. That's what BlackBerry has to do, and that's what they've been telling everybody that they're going to be doing. Yeah, they're going yeah. back to business, man. Back it's, to it's business. A good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good point, and, and, you know, the more and more that we see carriers step away from trying to be the device, they just they just want to be the uh, the service. So, really, why does it matter if they're offering BlackBerry or, or iPhone or Android or whatever it is? They don't really care. So, if they could do some kind of marketing campaign where they say, BlackBerry, you know, business, here's some business phones, they don't care. They just want business consumers on their service. They don't care what phone you get. Like, they really don't care what phone you get as long as you're using them. And it's going to be more like that, so... And it's not surprising that they finally got back together. Yep. You're absolutely and correct. Talking about the mobility forum, they're talking here about, you know, the cross-platform nature of BES 12, including iOS, Android, Windows, mobile, to get some of that insight on the best practices to enable the mobility that you have, regardless of device. Because, again, as Alex said, all about mobility. Uh, I think you guys are absolutely correct. Uh, what Darius said when he was talking about, you know, it's good to see some actual action on that front. I mean, when we heard years ago, or like since BlackBerry 10, whenever you hear a uh, telecommunication CEO talking about, yeah, sure, we'd like to see BlackBerry succeed. Yeah, well, like, they don't really care if they succeed or not because they're still going to be selling the service that no matter which device they sell, they're still making a profit up. So it's good to start seeing them actually selling BES and some of these other and, and classic stuff um, and the classic on T-Mobile because then you actually see some action on that front instead of just talk. I love the way you said mobile. That was just in <laughs> It's definitely an interesting and expanding focus for them. And I'm glad that they're... They're being true to themselves at the very least. They're not like dancing on either side of this line. They're like, all right, we're all here. We're all in and we're gonna we're gonna do this, you know? And and that's something that with Hines we were kind of missing, right? Like Bez 10 and Bez and the Blackberry 10 kind of came out too quickly. And it was broken, right? And broken in the sense that it wasn't a fully integrated experience, which is what they honestly needed. So it's great for you to mention on that, Brandon. I think the mobility forum and, and working with AT&T is going to be vital for them as they push forward because, again, it's reputation that needs to change. And maybe not a consumer reputation right now, but within the business sector, they need to reaffirm themselves as a proper solution, a secure and viable solution. And that's something that really they haven't been in, in a conception sense for quite a while. If we're talking about conception and we're, <laughs> we're really moving forward here with the conversation, what do you guys think about BBM? channels, targeted audiences, they kind of threw that out there without even telling us, right? <laughs> it's really cool that you can drill down the content for your posts. I can hit an iPhone user running a specific OS down to six, you know, I can I can choose just BlackBerry and Android. I can really target my demographics with specific age. The thing is, 
is this going to be valuable for channeling posters? In my opinion, I still just want to post to everybody, but I can see some brands may want to target specific types of promotions and advertisements. What do you guys think about channels? It seems like we're getting some a couple tweaks here and there. Oh. They kind of are maybe bolstering forward with it. Oh, okay, let me just start off first. Those <laughs> features are important. Those features are very important if they want to have channels used by enterprise. But the only reason an enterprise would be using channels is if there's enough people using channels to begin with for them to even bother having content on channels that people will see. So, I mean, it's good that they have these features, but they also need, you know, some of the more important features like multiple admins on, on an actual mobile device so that you can actually have multiple people adding content to a channel so that more people are actually using channels and, and putting up content on channels instead of, you know, catering just to the enterprise from that perspective because the enterprise in, in this specific case, this is one specific case where you really can't just focus on the enterprise. You really do need to make it catered towards the consumer space to get those people on channels and actually using and creating that content so that there is a worthwhile opportunity for enterprise to go in there and show content there. Yeah, Brandon, you just pumped me up, bro. Um, <laughs> no, because he like yeah. it was energy right now. <laughs> it was like he 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 just I don't know he, he killed a guy, but I mean it's it's honest. It's like you can give us you know you, you finally give us the ability to have you know multiple admins. You finally give us this targeted channel. I don't want to say finally because I can't say that this is something that was had been asked for for so long. It's just a great feature that should have been there all along. Of course, I will say this. Let's start off positive. Let, we're glad that we're still seeing tweaks and features being added to channels. So we, we're glad to see that they still care about channels. Now, really do something with it. <laughs> really make it attractive. The baby is still ugly, all right? So you, you have to do something to make it attractive. You, you have to do other things within the uh, core application uh, to give it that leverage to, to start taking off. I mean... It's still kind of one of those, to me, I feel like it, it's a very enterprise-based application within BBM. And that's just truly what it is. It's not for consumers. It's not for all the BBM users. It really isn't. We're just making it useful, if you will, in my eyes. I just feel like everyone who has a channel, you're just making that making that uh, application useful. But is it really, truly cater to those who use it. I don't feel like it does. I, I don't. You know, there's so many things that can still be implemented with channels, and it's kind of like, where's Jubay when you need him to give you this wide list and array of features that it could hold, but that's neither here or there. It's just the point of the fact that, but, you know, it's just, hey, we're glad that you're still showing, you know, channels some attention. That's that's all I can really say. Yeah. Are there... Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Sure. Don't don't change topics yet. Are they? <laughs> is this the only social network right now that, without paying? I know, like Twitter, you can pay and you could target. Same with Facebook, everything. Is this the first technical social network that you can actually actually tailor to a demographic? Because I don't think I've seen other social net, big social networks right now that you can do that to no. your existing subscribers. No. I find that so interesting because, hey, like the amount of engagement you can get from this now, targeting specific users, you know, aged this to this within these countries on an Android phone. And you don't have to annoy your other subscribers who are on Blackberries that don't want to hear about your, your new iOS or Windows app. Like, I, I, that's so smart 
And it's like, I wonder if, you know, Twitter and these other companies have thought of doing that, but they're like, no, we'll make that a paid feature. I, but this is for your existing subscribers. I think it's really interesting. And Channels has so much potential. I just wish they focused more on it. I think the closest you can possibly get to it is just like with Facebook and whether you want the public to be able to yeah. see or just your friends. Your circle. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's yeah. pretty much the closest thing you get yeah. to outside of channels. And I mean it's just oh man, just from when channels launched and I was just saying it and, and I don't know, when I kinda said it I was like, You kinda sound crazy, but the potential that it had to be kind of that next big social media outlet, it really does have that. It's just Jesus Christ, man. Just wait. Because what since Marco has been working on this super cool thing about channels. You know, what's just targeting demographics is cool, right? Geo targeting. I can plumb down to country specific, let alone Blackberry, Android, iOS, and then the versions that they're running. Right. It's pretty cool. And it's also robust. It's not just like age demographic. They actually break it down for you and really allow you quite a, a lot of options there within. I'm glad, again, that they're they're bringing new features. But again, I'm sad that they're not telling us about it, that I have to go to Crackberry to even learn about this new feature or literally stumble upon it myself. Um, I'm going to link on Alex so we can see a little breakdown of it. This is the EBM Channels web admin backend, and you can see here demographics. Male, female, you know, ages, country, um, you know, just throw them in there. And then, like... To the extent where BlackBerry seven six five does is channels even on five? What yeah, the hell is BlackBerry is. nine? <laughs> right, like that. What is BlackBerry nine? <laughs> oh, you guys, internal thing doesn't even oh. exist. Those those are the dev the the dev uh, alpha. Okay. Not four. <laughs> that was a joke. I wonder if all this, all these analytics and stuff like that. I think I wonder if in the future they'll they'll allow one channel to be used in different regions. So, for instance, say you're like just t talking hypothetically. Say you're BlackBerry, and you know how now with Twitter and other social networks, they need to have multiple accounts for different jurisdictions. I wonder if maybe channels in the future they'll be able to directly put specific channel posts to specific regions so that it would it would cut down on that need to have, you know, twenty different um, channels accounts if you're one company or something like that. But well, here's the thing. How many companies are actually using BBM channels? How many how many channels do you subscribe to that are actually from a company? Exactly. Exactly. You know? And how many how many times have you gone, personally gone to BBM channels and said, hey I only want certain people to see this post. Right. I'm guessing never, because realistically, everybody wants everyone to see their posts. Right. You know? it's like a, if there's businesses out there, yeah, I can understand them very specifically targeting. But yeah. here's the, I've never seen these businesses on BBM channels. Coca-Cola let their channel drop off, whatever the case may be. All those channels are not as active as what they once were when they were officially announced. So... Who is this useful to? It's not useful to me. Definitely businesses. You know what would be useful yeah. to me? The ability to damn well edit my freaking post. <laughs> I don't right. need to target all of these individual people. Yeah. I really don't care about it because, like I said, I want everybody to see my post. I don't care if you're on iOS, Android, or whatever. Right. I don't care your age either. I want everybody to see my post. 
But if I screw up and I have a typo in that post, I don't want you to see that. I want to be able to edit that shit and then let you see it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I think these little updates we've been getting, like with the multiple ad, uh, admins and then this one now, uh, it's kind of like these are little bits and pieces for like this huge update to come. It's like don't give it to me if yeah. you're not going to give me the, the 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 whole circle. Like the, the I don't know who they're for. I'm left wondering who they're for. Especially, especially for some something like Crackberry, where the most important thing is being able to, to ensure that the content you're putting out there is correct. So if you make a typo or something on the price uh, right. of a device, it's really useful to be able to, to quickly correct that so the information there is correct instead of having to, to delete it and put another post, right? Yeah, and then if you delete it, here's, here's the other thing. If you delete it, say, for example, I did make a typo. I deleted that post. I caught it and I deleted that post. The thing is, is that people are still seeing that 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 typo post out there even after I initially corrected and put up a new version of it because yeah. of the way the channels updates. So they're seeing the typo post and then they're seeing the corrected post, and basically it looks like, hey, you know, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing because he just posted two things, the exact same thing. You know, generally looking at something, right? I don't understand it. It's cool that they're I adding, just, but I just don't know who they're for because they're not for me. You know? Yeah. It's it's a frustrating thing, right? Because we want and we see potential in it, but at the same time, it does seem like they're kind of building toward this grand vision. I know the company that they acquired for the back end, Strone, which is a French startup, back when uh, Bolpen was there in office or in, in, at the CMO helm. They did a lot of this stuff. Basically, they were almost like a hoot suite for brands, right? Yeah. But we see not a lot of that here. Maybe they can build towards something where they can really, really bring that about. I'm interested, at least, that they are targeting to audiences. Now, BlackBerry should take that same mentality and then target their own branding toward audiences specifically. (laughs) So I want to transfer over. We talked a little bit about it earlier. Let's talk about T-Mobile Classic, Magenta, Back in Black. Very cool announcement. Just the social media around it. A lot of people are writing these like obtuse headlines. They really were like these, yeah. these like hilarious headlines that you know aggrandize what was actually happening. But really, it was a way for BlackBerry and T-Mobile to both push forward with a front toward that business user. That business user is out there. The business user is probably on a 9900 or a 9930 still. You know. There are still plenty of millions of people that they can bring over to BB10. They can bring over to new carriers and new partners. So it's absolutely viable, I think, that these two actually sat down, had a conversation, and were like, actually, I don't hate you at all, you know? Our lack of communication is what broke down the relationship. But now that we're communicating again, we actually have pretty even field for which we can discourse, right? What do you guys think? Is this going to be a sustained thing? I mean, are we going to see Passport? Are we going to see the slider? Or are we going to see just those die-hard BlackBerry devices on T-Mobile? What are some of your thoughts? I mean, right now it's just been a nasty, the classic, but I think overall you could possibly see uh, other devices come. I don't think it's going to be the Passport. And, I mean, the slider, I believe, could be, like, the next device. If the Passport were to be sold, I would be extremely surprised. I'll be happy to see that as well, but I'll be extremely surprised to see the passport being put on there because 
I, I think especially with uh, AT&T coming out with its own variant, I think other carriers kind of want the same thing too. You know, so I, I really don't see them putting anything else out there other than just the classic. And I think the classic is going to be one that's going to be pushed, you know, pretty much across the board as it already has been. But, um, you know, uh, I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's going to be a healthy, you know, situation now. I think what T-Mobile is trying to do because, you know, even though it's like when the breakup first happened, it didn't really hurt them in the long run. I mean, at first, but I just think they felt like, all right, if we kind of want to really begin competing, uh, not to just be the three spot, but really com- begin competing against Verizon and AT&T, we have to have like all, we have to have one more choices. So that means we have to uh, provide uh, devices across the board, not just Android and iOS uh, and Windows Phone, of course. But uh, I, I don't know. I just think it was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, what is his name? Legere? Le- okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it was just more of his pride and then Chin's pride as well. Not necessarily like Chin's pride was in a way because, I mean, I felt like what he did at the time was very necessary. And I think it was great. I mean, put your foot down. Let them know, like, okay, yeah, we might not be in the best shape, but you know what? If you don't even appreciate what we do offer, then we're not going to offer anything from you guys. I mean, you know, for you guys, so to speak. So um, I think now they kind of just put, you know, the, the pride aside, subtle differences, say, hey, where can we start new? This is what we're offering. And I think uh, Legere, he, I think he kind of respects and also sees what BlackBerry has going on right now because they're a hot topic, not just uh, on Wall Street or in the tech world, but in terms of the future and other products that can be offered that we're yet to see yet. I think he feels like BlackBerry has a hot hand in the pot right now. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways for them both. I mean, it's software. It's not just hardware. Right, right. Black, and, and, and like I, with T-Mobile, I just want to say like T-Mobile is also showing great initiative and in, uh, what they're doing with their customers too. So, you know, it, why not try to get on board with that? I think it absolutely ties into the reputation uh, topic we were talking about earlier. I think it was really important echoing what you said, uh, Darius, for John Chen to make that move and pull BlackBerry saying, you know, we still have pride in our product and if you're going to treat our product like that, then we don't want to have it on your service. And now, after the dust is settled and it's coming back, we see that, you know, as an outsider looking in, it looks like, you know what, there's a, they can connotate a better reputation to the product coming in now because it doesn't seem like BlackBerry was just on their knees hoping um, to give their product to anybody. It actually shows that there's some, you know, some type of control process on their end to determine, you know, which is really the best benefit for them to have their devices on. They're probably, oh crap, like 20% of our users are on T-Mobile. <laughs> Let's actually put a device in store, you know? <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's definitely, it almost like, is almost like, you know, we were talking about this before the stream went on. It's just good PR, right? It's just good business to mend your, your broken bridges. I don't want to say burn. They clearly weren't. But it shows maturity, right? And it shows a way forward. And they both can benefit. And that's ultimately where we need to be. More carriers around the world need to look at BlackBerry as a venue to hit a different kind of user. And that's really what John Chen and the management teams in place need to be able to really vocalize and show. It's like, hey, we, with our software and our hardware, have the ability to bring you to customers that you're not hitting right now, you know, new customers. And if not, transition over some of your old ones who are looking for something more productive. 
like Mr. Stokes over here. It's definitely a very interesting kind of scene as they transition moving forward. I'm glad Magenta's back. I want to talk about work-wide. We're kind of winding down here. I want to talk about a couple other things as we tribute out toward the end of our stream here. But work-wide, awesome native application for BlackBerry 10 done by a co-op developer team. The app is awesome. I don't know if any of you guys have used it before. It really, really is something that's like built for Passport. And there's not many like apps right now that are native to BlackBerry 10 that are built for Passport, like de designed and optimized for that specific device. So it's really cool to see one that doesn't only innovate on what the Passport can, you know, offers, but it really takes it beyond that with integrations with other applications. So this latest version, 1.3, actually integrates the popular Black Twitter client the BlackBerry 10 right into the WorkWide application. So you can literally run Black on one side, a browser on the other, uh, a text document on the other, or a Composer, SMS. Really gives you some unilateral uses. It's a very cool application. Crackberry's posted about it. BerryFlow has posted about it as well. Certainly check it out. I want to just skim across it here because we have a couple other topics that we definitely worth talking about. WorkWide is one of those applications, though, that like you really need to see it in use to really get what it's all about. It's something you need to make part of how you flow, how you work. I found myself not using it and then thinking, man, I should have used it because it would have cut down a lot of the stuff in, in between apps I would have been doing. So definitely check out WorkWide, especially if you're a Passport user. But the app is also available on Q devices like the Classic, Q5, Q10, and also on all touch devices. So you can use it in portrait and still get that awesome experience. Now, what do you guys think about John Chen on Twitter? <laughs> it's one of those things, right? Yes. Please, it's Chris, speak. Please speak. On Twitter. <laughs> oh man, I find it, I think it's awesome that he's on Twitter. Like, what CEO these days isn't necessarily on Twitter? I mean, you got to be on Twitter. If anything. If anything, John Legere has basically shown that you should be a loudmouth on Twitter. Like, even if you don't like him, or you don't like anything that he has to say, yeah, his presence, his mere presence on Twitter, is just basically a prime example of how these CEOs these days need to actually be out there and like, you know, interacting with customers and catching some of the feedback and you know, dismissing some of the crappy feedback or information that's out there, whatever the case may be, right? You know, I, I would love to see somebody, I would love to see John Chen, like, go after somebody who was putting, you know, like, false information. I would love to see that. I would yeah. just love to see it. I, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't necessarily know if John Chen himself is running the Twitter account because we all know that there are a lot of people who, you know, basically let their PR agents run their Twitter account. But, you know, uh, hopefully it really is Tim on the end, and hopefully he's uh, he's taking care of it, and hopefully he'll actually, you know, be become more interactive on there. Um, just don't tweet from your wife's Samsung phone or anything like that. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, would be, I mean, that would be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so many people follow Legere just because he's he's a funny guy to follow, and, and like, you don't expect, like, what he says. So if you can start getting people actually who respect John, who might not be on BlackBerry, just to follow him, you're building up a network that you could essentially advertise to. And it's like, yeah. why would you not do that? And it's a personal brand thing, too. Once John eventually leaves BlackBerry in however many years, he's not going to be at BlackBerry forever. 
you build up a brand identity, a personal brand identity, and that's a good thing to have. So I, I think it's smart that they did that, whether or not it's him, but I completely agree with what you said. I mean, even even what, even Leisure said, like, you know, part of the whole T-Mobile, uh, uh, you know, being removed from T-Mobile thing was, you know, no, let's get let's get John Chen on Twitter and we can yeah. talk about it. Yeah. That was that was what Ledger did when they after they uh, after they had their little bit of a spat. So yeah. like right. you know maybe maybe if maybe if Chen was on Twitter at that point in time, <laughs> it wouldn't have blown up as big as what it did, right? Yeah, right. It's like one thing I can I can say about Ledger is that when if you're a customer like T-Mobile, it kind of feels like you're running T-Mobile because he's a very outspoken person. He, he's really in touch with like the younger crowd, but he. he you know, because he's so in touch with his customers, right? But I think that's also a good thing when you have a CEO that's vocal like that, that uses Twitter, you know, for that uh, soapbox, you know, to, <laughs> to speak about whatever is being said about either your country or your, your company or, you know, just in your uh, your work field, so to speak. Like, it, it really does kind of get your uh, customers behind you, like, yeah, you know, like, we really like the brand because this person not only just speaks how they feel, but they kind of stay in touch with us as well. And for some people, people tweet and getting a reply on Twitter, it means the world to them. So, you know, for John Chen to make that move, whether it's just simply a PR move, which I feel like it is, but I think it's cool. You know, if, if people can ask questions, just to go on there like once a month, do a little quick Q&A, you know, for... Uh, consumers, like, I think that's kind of cool. And, and just spread information here and there, you know, give teas yeah. possible. Yeah, I think nowadays it's kind of expected for, you know, CEOs to kind of be thrust into the public space like that and, and have a Twitter account more and more now. And I think it goes, um, like, as you were saying, Darius, he kind of runs his mouth sometimes on Twitter, but at the same time, he has personality. And I think nowadays people want to see in a company, they want to see some personality behind a company, yeah. They don't want to see some, you know, some CEO who's up in his office who never interacts with, with the public or people like that. You know, you, you kind of, for all the things that John Legere says that are kind of dumb or, or off the cuff, at least you can see some humanity behind it. And you can say, you know what, that guy makes mistakes just like me. And, you know, there's something sincere about it. I can kind of relate to that in a sense. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those things that it, it's a public relations move and it's one of those things that you know it's just another step forward for Blackberry and John Chen in this it's case. interesting because like as the stream has gone on John Chen has actually put out a blog post on yeah. inside Blackberry so it's funny I mean we tweeted him here from from the Berry Flow account while this was going on and, and you know as Darius said as Brandon said it's just good to be there presence is something Blackberry has been lacking so in any form we can have it. I think presence is going to be a strong thing moving forward. Even as we tweet him our desires and our forlorn hopes, maybe he's listening, you know? And that's some hope that I think the community de definitely needs. And because he is responding to some people, it definitely gets the, the, the community speaking in the right direction. Let's talk about Chen. I just want an Android phone that runs, you know, on BlackBerry. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's reading that like, I got you, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely a, a change in corporate culture at BlackBerry. And I think that's kind of the takeaway from this stream for the viewers out there, that there are things changing. We've defended ourselves, and we've also come back with a lot of pride 
a lot of humility as well that the changes that we're making are going to be for the positive to help the growth that we're looking to, to, to garner. So definitely good, I think, that they're building forward on that. With that being said, as we grow forward, we have to maybe leave some things behind. And maybe not by choice, but things do change. And this is really, you know, I'm talking at this point about Heidi Davidson because she was such a momentous part of BlackBerry through the years. Heidi was SVP of corporate communications. She spoke with all of us at the blogs, helping us coordinate with the devices, with the reviews, getting the information we need to put out some of the media pieces. And really, she's been part of what has glued BlackBerry together. I put out a very interesting piece done by Bob Egan on Forbes, talking about how wonderful she was, the accolades that her campaigns have garnered in very recent months for Passport and other devices. And, and I want to pass it over to Chris because I think he can articulate even more aptly because he's been in the scene so long with BlackBerry. Just how profoundly important Heidi was to BlackBerry and what a tremendous loss it really is. Yeah, Heidi did. It was basically, it's not necessarily, you know, on the front lines. So everybody doesn't necessarily get to see exactly what she did did at BlackBerry or anything like that. But when it comes to the bloggers and you know all of the all of the websites and stuff like that, you know, customer relations, PR relations with those individuals is very. It has to be done right, and you know, if you're not reaching out to those people and doing it in such a good way as what Heidi is capable of doing, then you're not doing your job right. But and that's that's part of the thing that I don't think a lot of people necessarily realize. Heidi was absolutely amazing at her job and she really did a lot for everybody when it comes down to, you know, helping us out and helping us deliver some of the Blackberry messages, especially on the blogs. And realistically, like there there's no way that anybody could can appropriately relay that to somebody who wasn't necessarily in the situation and working with her. It, it it's basically if you worked with Heidi, then you know how absolutely amazing Heidi was, and she would do anything to help you out. Whatever you needed to be successful in doing, she would make it happen for you. And like I said, the, the majority of people, if you've never had the opportunity to work with her, you're not going to know that. But for those who did have the opportunity to work with her, everybody knows that she was absolutely amazing. And, you know, there's there's nobody out there who could say a, a terrible thing about Adi because it's just not possible. She did everything that anybody could ever possibly ask for. She went above and beyond so many times. Like, whatever you I can't even, I, that's all I can really say. She was just absolutely amazing. Really was. And, and really, just the embodiment of the passion and loyalty, it, it made you excited when you spoke with her, right? To, to really yeah. just just to be there in, in, in her presence and really kind of even with the people that she helped coordinate right the different teams just coordinating with them on that focused message it's something that I feel at least that as she transitions to whatever she may do next she's going to take that same kind of energy and thrive no matter where so yep. that's, that's the, the good part about it right I'm still thinking like there's going to be a hole here. Has Chen pulled in someone else 
to fill in on the HR side and the PR side? Or are we going to see someone internally kind of rise to the ranks and take on the mantle? And, and, and how that transition is handled and that execution is going to be really pivotal as they move forward. Do they want to move closer to some of their media contacts and foster some you know, shared growth? Or do they want to kind of pull away and focus more on a siloed kind of marketing uh, play and experience? Again, going to be very interesting, especially with new devices like the slider coming out, which are going to have an aggregated kind of coalesced marketing vision with them. Uh, very, very interesting how they're going to play this moving forward. But Heidi definitely will be missed. Again, oh. amazing contributions across three different executives uh, in seat at the helm of BlackBerry. Having to deal with all of that is just such a such a powerful impact that she's had on BlackBerry. I really do hope that kind of the, the, the culture that she's left behind lives on beyond her time there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I just I just want to to say something. I I've never actually personally spoken uh, to Heidi, but every person that I've met that has had the opportunity, the privilege to speak to her, has always had glowing um, praises to say about her. They always said that she was an awesome person to deal with, and and I think that's a testament to the work that she did. And I think uh, even though I didn't directly get to to talk with her or work with her, I think it, based on what I've heard from other people, it definitely is a, a loss to BlackBerry to see her to go. And it's such a hard thing to kind of come to terms with because we've seen so many good people go, right? And hopefully for the better in terms of BlackBerry, in terms of their own lives, right? Because you don't want to stay somewhere and just be frustrated. You know, you, know? you want to be able to be happy and, and open with who you are and what you're doing. So as BlackBerry transitions, I think we all need to kind of transition to kind of get up to, to pace with what's going on. The market is changing, the company is changing, and so are the people. So is the blood that pumps within BlackBerry Limited right now. So that culture is changing, and I think as well the user base should be changing. But we should keep all that in mind as we kind of move forward here. I want to make mention before we go that we have downstream coming very soon. <laughs> Very, very soon. And if <laughs> Downstream was probably mentioned like on episode like 30, like, you know, like so long ago. But Downstream will basically be our year anniversary. And Brandon had a fantastic idea for episode 52. Again, we're at 47 right now, episode 52, to do it as a drinking game. And, and we're not sh quite sure what the rules are going to be. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be integrated. And it's going to be a really uh, kind of collective look at maybe top, some of the top 10 news bits. So we're really looking forward to that particular stream and, of course, bringing you these weekly streams, even on Mother's Day. I <laughs> called Mom earlier this morning. She's like, the show must go on. And I'm like, all right, Mom, I'm doing it. We're going to do it. Gonna do it. <laughs> really appreciate everyone's time taking it out here for us on Upstream 47. This has been Reputation, and hopefully we can take that above and beyond in the future. Brandon, Darius, Alex, Chris, it's really appreciate having all you on here. Everybody have a great night. Later. Right. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>